Welcome to Equipped. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or just exploring the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, deepen your faith, and equip you to walk in maturity with Christ. I think sometimes we can attach significance to something that isn't actually significant for our salvation. This is something I'm always listening for when someone tells me he or she is a Christian or has been saved and is telling me their story about that. When we point to walking an aisle or praying a prayer or being baptized only as the means of salvation, we're pointing to the wrong event. Those are all expressions of faith, but none of those can actually save us. The event that saves us is the atonement of Jesus on the cross. Well, hey, I'm Chris Clark, the host for Equipped Today, and joining me is Audra Swindell. Audra, say hello to our listeners. Hey, everybody. Well, Audra serves as ministry coordinator at Redemption Church, which basically means she helps us keep our head on straight while we navigate the many moving parts of ministry throughout any given week. She's a total rock star and joy to work with. Audra, you grew up in Athens, Georgia. Yeah, go dogs. Go dogs. Go bulldogs, right? Yeah. All right. And you're married to Jesse. You also have two kiddos. Tell us their names and ages. Yeah, we have Caroline, who just turned seven, and Brooks, who just turned four. Awesome. And tell us where you went to seminary and how you ended up in Edmond, Oklahoma. Yeah, so I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, studied systematic theology there. And while I was there, I was working for a church where I met a family who had a son who I'm now married to, and he is an engineer. And so I followed him to Oklahoma. So great. We're so glad you're here in Edmond. And today we're going to be talking about the topic of salvation. Audra's going to walk us through what the Bible teaches about salvation and help us clarify our terms when we talk about what it means to be saved. All of this in like, what, seven minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to let Audra run for the next few minutes, and we just pray that this time would challenge you, deepen your faith, and equip you. So, Audra... Yeah, so today we're talking about Christian salvation, what that means, and what actually happens when we're saved. You know, I think oftentimes the waters get a little murky when we talk about salvation because it could be an issue of semantics. When I say, I walked an aisle when I was nine years old, or I'm a born-again Christian, or any other term or phrase to describe a salvation event, my hearer may not be mentally tracking with exactly what that means. You know, depending on how we grew up, our church background, and even cultural differences, salvation as events in our minds can be hard to pin down when we're explaining them to others. Look, I want to acknowledge that salvation is a complex topic, and I think it's helpful to break it down and talk about the components that we often associate with salvation. So to frame this discussion, we'll talk about what I'd call the objective component and the subjective component, and then where these two come together. So first, let's talk about the objective piece. The objective piece is atonement. And when I say atonement, I mean the atonement. I mean the historical event, the death of Jesus that actually happened. Now, this event also has transcendent personal implications that span time and geography, but we'll get more into that aspect in a minute. When I talk about the atonement, I'm talking about the death of the second person of the Trinity, the Son who became a man named Jesus, while also maintaining his complete divine nature as God. 
And this is not a death because this God was defeated unwittingly or because his body gave out. I'm talking about a death for a very specific purpose. When an all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God dies, his death is able to actually accomplish something. In contrast, when we die, it doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it's usually just a defeat. We're defeated by sickness or injury. But when God dies, there is a supernatural spiritual transaction that takes place. There's both a physical and spiritual reckoning through the spilling of Jesus' blood. So when we say we're saved, what we're really saying is the atonement of Jesus was effective in rescuing us from the consequences of sin. Those consequences range from the issues we struggle with every day now to the universal effects of fallenness in us and in our world, as well as what happens when our bodily life ends. This sin, both personally and globally, requires punishment and, in fact, requires separation from a holy and sinless Creator God. Each of these facets of sin is worth a good discussion on their own, but we're going to leave it at the broad sweeps for now. A verse, I think, uh, that says this most clearly and I think of often is 2 Corinthians 5.21, and it says, "'For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin.'" so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse is saying that God the Father required God the Son to become our sin for us, so that an exchange took place, our sin for Jesus' righteousness. So this is a good point um, at which to segue from the objective truth that Christ's death atoned for our sin into the subjective reality that we're actually also a part of that event. The atonement was not a universal atonement in that while it was and is able to atone for the sin of every person, it is only effective. It only accomplishes salvation for those who believe in its efficacy. A helpful section of verses for explaining this kind of subjective nature in salvation is in Romans 10. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. These verses show us that there is belief in the atonement of Jesus and acknowledgement of that belief. It's as simple and as hard as that. These verses bring up a good kind of Christian-y word that we sometimes hear, the word justification. So it's interesting, in the Greek, which is the language in which the New Testament was originally written, the words for to judge and to be called righteous are very closely related. This is interesting because God looks at us and He judges us as sinners. But when we have believed in the work of Christ on the cross, that it's effective to take away our sins, He sees only the righteousness of the Son. Therefore, from no merit or goodness of our own, but through only our belief in Jesus' merit, God justifies us. So let's be clear here, because I think sometimes we can attach significance to something that isn't actually significant for our salvation. This is something I'm always listening for when someone tells me he or she is a Christian or has been saved and is telling me their story about that. When we point to walking an aisle or praying a prayer or being baptized only as the means of salvation, we're pointing to the wrong event. Those are all expressions of faith, but none of those can actually save us. The event that saves us is the atonement of Jesus on the cross. 
The part we play in that is our belief, which is all inward. Those expressions I mentioned are just an outward sign of our inward belief. Jesus' divine death and our, our belief in its ability to take away our sin, that's what saves us, nothing else. Not a good life, not intellectual knowledge of the Bible or history or even lots of good theological truths, not baptism or walking an aisle at a church service or saying a, a words to a prayer or any other thing, you fill in the blank. And maybe you couldn't or wouldn't point to a moment in time that you pinpoint as your salvation experience. Maybe this happened gradually for you. And because you don't have a, quote, moment in time experience, your story is different. I actually love hearing those stories and feel a little that way myself. This is really good since it's belief that saves and not in this outward expression. This is actually a really natural way of understanding our salvation. One final note on salvation and the language of saving, especially in the Bible, I know that it can often be easy to let words that sound the same have exactly the same meaning, but I think it's important to always use good judgment based on the context to decide exactly how this language is used. For example, when David speaks of being saved from his enemies, he is speaking of physical death. God supernaturally interceded to keep David alive and moving forward to accomplish his purposes. When New Testament writers use salvation language, it's often a good idea to ask ourselves how the context allows for nuances in the idea of saving. There are many ways that we may be saved from something, and it's a good first response to see the wording in light of the whole of what's being said. Sometimes Paul is certainly speaking of spiritual and physical salvation from death, as in Romans 10. But other times, writers are speaking about saving from a situation or circumstances or physical harm. Just a, it's just a last thought to consider, but I think it fits well with this topic because it reminds us that our words matter, and explaining our words matters even more. Explanation is becoming increasingly imperative as we engage with a world that uses words to transact constantly. Explaining our terms well can mean all the difference. So next time you're listening to someone talk about their salvation, ask questions. Ask what they mean by the phrases they use. And if you're the one telling your story, be clear. Be sure you explain who Jesus is, what He did, and what you believe about that event. It's just possible that being clear about this, that explaining yourself well, could be, could be what God uses to show His story and His power to that person. Clarity and explanation are keys that we as Christians must embrace in this current culture that is so wordy, but often so unclear. Well, thanks again for listening to Equipped. Equipped is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you're listening and looking for more ways to be equipped in the faith, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings at Cheyenne Middle School. We gather there each week at 10.30 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. Till next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.